we start another trip down the rabbit hole. This is episode number six, our sixth trip. Carl, how are you today? I'm fine. It's a beautiful morning, so we're sat here in the sunshine coming through the window. Yes. It's, it's lovely. It's a lovely, lovely day. Mm. And better if we speak about this Mother Earth. Exactly. What better day to speak about? Yes. This is the second part of our topic, uh, topic uh, Gaia or Gaia, mm -hmm. depending how, where are you from? Where are you from, right? And... Uh, I think we should start revisiting a bit uh, all the work uh, and well, actually the definition made by James uh, Lovelock. Yeah. Well, yeah. Shall I start? If you want to start, or I'll go ahead. Um, okay. Um, well, James Lovelock uh, is a British uh, scientist, mm -hmm. and um, he actually built upon the work of a an earlier scientist, but it was James Lovelock who kind of popularized this concept or formulated the concept, really, of Gaia. And he took this word from a Greek goddess, a uh -huh. Greek goddess. And the concept of Gaia is that the, the biosphere of the Earth is a kind of... It behaves like a living organism mm -hmm. and it always tries to maintain a state of what uh, is called homeostasis which is simply put it just means a, a state of balance balance to be always in in um... it's trying to sustain its own long-term survival it's like having a cell yeah a cell with its internal functions and Parts also tries to maintain homeostasis. Yes, exactly. So to, just like it has uh, mitochondria and stuff like that. Exactly. Earth is some, they uh, he conceived Earth like an organism like this. Yes, almost you might say like a giant cell. Yes. Um, but For, it, and its component parts are the biosphere, all the living things, the plant life, the animal life, including us, including the, us. The major, curiously, the major infection. Yes, and uh, obviously, there, even some parts of this biosphere is mm. being considered like parts of, uh, compared to uh, what is the physiology of a human. Yeah, that's right. For example, forests, la the large concentration of forests, like rainforest in, uh, down in Brazil and so on, yeah. are considered to be lungs. Exactly. Because they made, through the photosynthesis, mm. Uh, the chlorophylla changes the yeah. uh, carbon dioxide into oxygen. Yeah, they do an exchange of gases. Kind of yes. And then the um, the atmosphere uh -huh. is like the respiratory system, the movement of, 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 of air in and out of the body. And then... Water could be like the blood. Yeah, the rivers, yes. the oceans. Mm -hmm. um, and so he... He had this wonderful way, actually, James Lovelock, he had this wonderful way of describing this concept so that people could kind of wrap their minds around it yeah. and and kind of come to understand his analogies and so on and so forth. So, uh, yes, he he initially faced a huge amount of 
criticism yeah. from his um, colleagues mm-hmm. and, fr- and from the scientific world, but actually over 20 or 30 years, uh, many of his ideas have actually been um, absorbed into the kind of environmental um, world, uh, science world, um, uh-huh. and uh, he is now kind of regarded as the, the father of modern environmentalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite interesting. Interesting fellow. Yes, and, well, Lovelock arrived to this uh, hypothesis by uh, studying also uh, about the origins of the Earth, uh, of Earth's atmosphere. That's right. was by studying the planets that are near us, which is uh, Venus and Mars. Yes. And he was suggesting, actually, that the chemistry uh, seemed to uh, be similar. And actually, what made the change between what is Venus and Mars is the fact that Earth has life. Exactly. And that, and that obviously, initially, it was plant life. Yes. Single-cell organisms and then plants. Making all this kind of uh, filtration of gases and so on. Exactly. And, and actually, it was the... Um, the advent of photosynthesis that yes. made the big difference in terms of oxygen content. Yes, because it's 90% uh, carbon dioxide in Mars and Venus, mm. while on Earth we have 79% nitrogen, 21% oxygen. Yeah, all down to plant life. Yes, exactly. Yes. So it will be interesting, for example, if you start an experiment mm. of bringing plant life to the, either of these planets. Mm. Mm. Yes. No. Yes, kind of uh, terraforming. Yes, terraforming now, and preparing the environment. Now, we're not doing the science fiction part. No, here, this is the real one, actually. <laughs> yes, um, like you, I there's this thing about um, terraforming Mars is always a popular kind of thing, yeah. isn't it? And uh, you and I always have end up with this discussion about... What is the point of terraforming Mars when it hasn't got a magnetic field? Uh-huh. Which is, recently it's now been confirmed, that's how it lost its atmosphere in the first place. Yeah. Was that the uh, solar wind stripped away the atmosphere over time mm-hmm. because there was no magnetic field to divert the um, solar wind uh-huh. around Mars. So exactly. I don't think we should spend, it would be a typical government project to spend untold <laughs> amounts of money trying to terraform Mars. What about Venus? Well. Because I'm not sure how strong would be the magnetic field of Venus to sustain the atmosphere. Well, it has got a huge atmosphere. Because it has a huge atmosphere, right? Yeah. Then the theoretically should be able to hold yeah. if you transform or terraform the well, atmosphere. I'm assuming... The only reason why it's got an atmosphere is because, obviously, because it's nearer the sun than we are. Yeah. It obviously, it must have a, a a very adequate magnetic field because it still has an atmosphere. Yes. So, uh, the only probably concern would be the heat. Uh, yes, but that's because Venus is uh, often regarded as the sister planet of uh-huh. Earth. And a very good example of runaway greenhouse effect. Exactly. The greenhouse effect. Yes. So maybe you could do something on Venus. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
because women are from Venus, uh, yeah. men are from Mars, yeah, right? So, yeah, we'd have to go the other way, the one without the magnetic field. Yeah. That's typical. The men always get the raw end of the deal. <laughs> as we know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I suppose going back to um, Lovelock and his concept of Gaia, what, what he said was, and this started in the 70s, was that this concept of balance in the biosphere uh-huh. is a natural process brought about by complex feedback ne- mechanisms in the in the various systems that make up the biosphere, and that we mess with this balancing mechanism at our peril because mm-hmm. yeah. the forces that are available to um, to nature are literally beyond our control. Uh-huh. And that um, the reason why we need to address current issues about um, that may be the cause of or factors in climate change that we're mm-hmm. experiencing, I think I'm pretty sure nobody is in doubt that we are experiencing climate variability. Um, and I, again, I think we had a discussion about... Obviously, there are the deniers who say, well, this is just a natural part of it, some natural cycle, and that this kind of thing or something very similar has happened before, which is supposedly true. Mm-hmm. Let's say it is true. Um, but the problem is that if you have a natural cycle, and I think we had this discussion about... Mm-hmm. Economic cycles, where there are natural economic cycles, if you leave um, economies or markets to themselves, they follow a cycle that's very steady Mm -hmm. um, or follows very specific rules. And it is only when we as uh, or our governments interfere with those natural cycles of markets that what we see is we see uh, peaks being overemphasized and we then get a bust Mm -hmm. and then when we have a bust because we're interfering again trying to stop it being a bust um it has other effects that potentially um um show themselves in different ways but effectively make the peaks more peaky and the troughs more troughy so if you know what i mean (laughs) for want want of uh, lack of language there but in terms of the biosphere um yes uh let us say there is a natural cycle to um climate is it possible that we are actually distorting it by Mm -hmm. our activities our activities and maybe even this uh idea of trying to help is at the same time disrupting not only our bad activities with the environment, but also the good ones. Yeah, yeah. Because well, any intervention is always an intervention. Yeah. Good or bad is an intervention. Well, and of course, um, you know, the old saying, uh, everything is kind of like a double-edged sword. So mm-hmm. uh, what may appear on the surface to be um, a good thing actually also has a negative impact somewhere else. Almost like... Um, there are always winners and there are always losers. Yes, of course. There's literally nothing you can do 
that only has one single effect. Mm -hmm. There's always, again, it's always a balance between good and bad. Mm -hmm. And uh, you wanted to talk about some movies related to the to this echo problem. Yeah. And actually, one of it became pretty famous, I think, mm -hmm. because it was related to politics and campaigns and so on which was the Inconvenient Truth from Al Gore. Yes. It's a documentary about climate change. Yes. Which is when uh, he announced this thing of climate change, that uh, uh, Earth is heating up and so on. Mm. There was a lot of controversy around the movie. A lot of people claim it as... Uh, Had lots of errors in it. And, yes. And But if nothing else, I suppose, whether the movie had errors in it or not... The thing about its effect was it raised the whole area in terms of public profile. It put it on the agenda not only of normal people, mm -hmm. but on the agenda of governments and uh, the UN. And uh -huh. and it went on to win Oscars, obviously. Yeah. Um, whether, you know, the, 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 problem with, the problem with people like an Al Gore... <laughs> kind of preaching to everybody about, um, you know, we should all economize on this and economize on energy use. And unfortunately, he lives in a large mansion with, yeah. of, you know, and it's kind of, yeah, okay, right. He's not very congruent sometimes with yeah, themselves. It's kind of like, um, do as I say and not as I do. <laughs> and of course, and of course, we come across... Don't look at me, I'm a wrong example. So. I, I, you are definitely wrong. As I, I was only looking at you because you were on the other side of the table. And, yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously, as ordinary citizens, we get this a lot from our governments, don't we? Yes. That um, we, as ordinary people, seem to have to carry the cost uh -huh. of, of, the, of all these initiatives and so on. Initiatives, if you want to call it initiatives or if mistakes. If you want to call it initiatives or mistakes. Whereas the, <laughs> whereas the people who are actually running the country and um, running industries that potentially create these problems, they're not paying yeah. any price at all. Mm -hmm. So it's... Uh, Yeah, it's like... Uh, there's, a, there's a tension there. When there's something it? good, it's me, I'm the guy in charge. Yeah. If something is wrong, it's you your fault because you chose me. That's right. <laughs> yeah. so, This is democracy, right? You chose me. Yeah. So, so it's you, the people, who... Pay the price, right? Yeah. And, it, it, and I think this is part of the problem with the climate change initiatives and policies is that it's it always seems to be ordinary people who pay the price. Yes for other people's excesses. And and of course, if we look globally today, as we know, there's been a recent mm -hmm. uh, round of um, climate change, um, this Paris Accord. Yeah. And, and of course, you have countries like uh, some countries in South America and Africa are saying to rich northern hemisphere countries... Uh -huh. Uh, why should we have to pay for these clean technologies when you cause the problem? You northern yeah. hemisphere countries. And they have a point, right? There is a point, but I think that a lot of the industry, when, for example, the first the, uh, Kyoto Agreement was mm. signed, mm. Uh, which was a global agreement of the countries to be able to 
reduce the uh, CO2 emanations Try and keep the from, down. from the uh, industry mm. that is producing a lot of uh, CO2. Mm -hmm. uh, during this, we're invited a lot of companies, owners, CEOs of companies to attend, participate, see that their own countries are getting into these uh, standards yes. or plans for reducing uh, CO2. And mm -hmm. I, actually, I was part of uh, a project or participated in one company that they built up their own uh, system yeah. to take advantage of all this CO2 that was coming out to the atmosphere hot. Right. To reintroduce it into a chain that would keep the temperature of an oven, an industrial oven of mm. thousands of degrees, mm. running without spending that much natural gas, yeah. which in turn saves not only uh, the atmosphere from the CO2 emanation, mm. but saves in terms of the amount of gas and costs mm. for the company. And it was actually very good because... Governments have the responsibility to ass uh, assign mm. a certain an amount of money mm. uh, to develop these kind of projects. Yes. And in fact, in Germany, was established that, for example, one of the biggest problems for CO2 emanations, guess what do you think it, it is? Uh, CO2, not methane. Um, CO2. Besides, uh, you know, factories and so on, there's one very important one. Go on. Cattle. I thought that was methane. That's methane, isn't it? Cattle. Yeah. <laughs> That's not CO2. <laughs> well, the problem is with the disposal, with the excrement of the cattle. Exactly. And yeah. the emanations they do of methane and uh, methane and so on. Yes. So there were there was this project in Germany to create this kind of uh, houses. Yeah. For collecting That's right. and recycling those, and every farmer that would get into this project yeah. would receive also financial aid from the government yes. to be able to reduce the CO2 emanations and methane gases going to the atmosphere. Yes. And of course, and believe it or not, it was serious. It, it, I know it's serious. It sounds funny, but yes, the excrement of cows and stuff like that—it's affecting as well. And of course, that led obviously to a lot of humorous. Comments. Of course, of course, like and, now. Not, <laughs> um, but of course, in the original Kyoto Agreement, they also came up with this international carbon trading concept, uh -huh. which of course has been utterly abused since that time. Of course. Where countries could actually trade carbon certificates, for want of a better word, um, so that they could emit more carbon by paying another country to reduce their carbon. Their carbon. Their CO2. And it just became very um, abused. Uh -huh. And I'm not I'm not sure whether that is continuing with this new round of um, accords, but um, but of uh -huh. course of course the whole thrust of the um, current round is to try and keep the temperature rise below is it two degrees? Something like that, yes. I think it's two degrees. Uh-huh. Um, because above two degrees, things start getting really quite... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's obviously already uh, melting of the polar caps. Mm. But uh, somebody was saying in one of the theor new theories, you know, people that is against the global warming... The deniers. The deniers was saying that anyway, this was going to happen. Yeah. And what's going to happen sooner, sooner or later. Yeah. Uh, 
And of course, there's the other, or the deniers, they are quite happy to um, bring out the evidence, which is clear that there mm-hmm. is actually ice build-up going on in different parts it, of Antarctica, for example. Exactly. And they say, well, look, there's ice being built up and there's ice being lost over there. So so what? Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, we're compensating. It's yeah, the same. Yeah. Yeah, again, this is is this <laughs> is this Gaia at work, right? Exactly, trying to balance, trying to balance our, you know, our the biosphere that we all depend on. And of course, here comes an obvious question for uh, our listeners: mm. Do you believe there is global warming, or climate change, or climate change, mm. or not at all? Mm. Because I'm sure there's people uh, pro and against. Uh, the the concepts of global warming and uh, climate change, mm. and some people that say, "Come on, it's just an invention, a political invention, or yeah. whatever." Yes, to control us. Yes. Mm. So, what do you think? You think is real, or do you think is not real at all? Mm. Leave us your comments, and remember that you can also go to our website, use the contact form, send us some email, or even a voicemail. Just clicking on the right side of the website, that little button that says send voicemail, and you just can record with any device connected to the internet and a microphone. Yeah. And we wanted to talk about possible solutions, didn't we? Yes. Um, should we Should we look at those? Yeah. They were called uh, geoengineering schemes. Yeah. And this is big engineering. Right? Yes. Like... Uh, Earthing that was geo, the term geo. This is hacking the planet. Yes, scale. That that's a phrase uh, that you should register. (laughs) (laughs) Hacking the planet by carbon. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Well, I think the most common, and that everybody thinks or could agree that is the safest. Mm. But the bad point is that that is the longest. Mm. Is having a good program for replanting trees and creating uh, more uh, lung spaces, let's say, forest spaces. More lung capacity. Yes. So the idea is that uh, trees and plants themselves can turn uh, carbon dioxide into oxygen. Yes, and store carbon dioxide. And store it. In the wood, right? And following this plan, actually China uh, plant 60 billion trees in the last 30 years. Yeah. And... It actually shows you what scale of planting is potentially that, that's required. huge. Well, that is huge. Imagine 60 billion. So imagine how much are we taking away? But that isn't enough, right? And it's not enough. That, exactly. That's the <laughs> point. It's not enough 60 billion. And what's the problem with this idea? Well, it takes time. Time. A lot of time to grow a tree to a full decent size maturity. or full mature size. And... Not maybe not of them will make it to the end, right? But as we were discussing before we um, started the recording, recording the program, why why couldn't there be um, a development program to do to bioengineer a tree that had the time of maturing faster, the growing faster, tree. and had had huge leaf surface area uh-huh, for, uh-huh. for converting much more, um, you know, at a greater rate. Actually, that sounds a better idea than cloning ships, right? Well, obviously, we all love lamb. Okay. Oh, well, of course. Of course. I do, at least. Let's, you know, let's not. So do I. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but you'd 
you'd think that was within the capacity of our technology to, it must be, to bioengineer. Uh, I, I suppose, to be honest, that would be interesting to find out, but... To hybridize something. Uh-huh. That would be, uh, I think, a very well-invested project. Yeah. And... Uh, Just remember you heard it here first. Yes, of course. And please, instead of, uh, well, if we have Send a Send money. Yeah. <laughs> Send us one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll invest it wisely, won't we? Yes. Well, if you have a ship called Dolly that was bioengineered, you know, cloned, yeah. then maybe the first tree should be called Molly. Yeah, possibly. Dolly and Molly. Do- I like your uh, <laughs> alliteration there. Okay, That's never really mind. Yeah. <laughs> Moving <laughs> swiftly on. Second way of geoengineering yes and these um just for the listeners uh, uh-huh. interest these these ideas that we're describing here in this section are the current most talked about geoengineering uh-huh. planet hacking technologies yeah? so we have the second one which is spraying sulfuric acid into the stratosphere yeah, so what's the idea behind that then uh-huh would you like to well Uh, the idea behind this one is that, uh, well, from volcanic eruptions, uh, the studies have shown that there's uh, uh, tiny sulfur particles that mm-hmm. are uh, scattering and are actually very good at scattering the sunlight. Mm. Therefore, uh, spraying a mist of these would cause, uh, uh, being at a high altitude, that they could just cool down quickly Earth and it could be actually cheap mm. to do this. Uh, One study estimated a few billion dollars a year, which to what some projects from government cost, yeah. it's practically nothing. Yes. Yes. And the sulfur could be sprayed by any aircraft, although some plants have suggested artillery. Artillery. Uh, artillery, or, yeah. Or a balloon, yeah. Or balloons or stuff like that, you know, like weather balloons. And the problem... Yes, we it, come here with a problem. Here's the, here's the catch... There you go. Is that effect, effectively by using these sulfur particles, it's kind of producing a sunscreen, shall we say, in the upper atmosphere that reflects the light back. Uh-huh. And that leads to the cooling because it's yes. not. But it doesn't actually do anything about the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. No, so just it just cools down the temperature. It just cools it down. So, it. so if we carried on, uh, if sorry, once we started down this path, of sulfur spraying, unless we did something about the carbon dioxide as well, we would die as well. We could never stop doing the sulfur spraying because if we stopped, then there would be a very quick rising of the temperatures because you, uh-huh. get, the, you get the greenhouse thing going on. There's another thing as well. Yeah. To be able to help with this carbon dioxide, mm. plants need light. Yeah, this is true. So if we are covering and reflecting the light away from mm. certain areas, mm. then That's a good point. plants would not have the necessary light, the appropriate light to produce the photosynthesis yeah. and exchange. But I don't, I don't think they're considering plunging us into permanent darkness. <laughs> <laughs> you think, never know. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can imagine them actually spraying it, going, this is what we're going to do. And then they spray it and everybody looks up and goes, Oh, oh! We're getting dark oh, here. It's dark. 
Maybe we should blow up at the same time to the sky <laughs> to get it away. Yeah, that's right. Start to... <sighs> yeah. And then start looking for um, you know, somebody to blame. Yes. Like always. Of course. Anyway, if I start the yes. next idea off, yeah, go ahead. Uh, this is another big uh, planet hacking idea, which is to effectively dump iron dust into the world's oceans. And the idea there is, and it has actually been trialed on a small scale, uh-huh. which is um, that it actually uh, triggers um, algae formation in the oceans. Uh-huh. And, of course, the um, these phytoplankton, which is what they are, mm-hmm. um, which is not really algae, probably. God. Well, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm so dumb. It's uh, actually... It's like the vegetation of the sea. Yeah, exactly. You want to call it let's somehow. Just, let's just, yeah. Anyway, the thing about it is that that absorbs carbon dioxide and traps it within uh-huh. the ocean. Yes. But of course, as you know and I know, there's always a downside, isn't there? Oh, always. And the downside in this one is that it's unclear how much of the plankton will die and fall to the seafloor where the carbon gets trapped for yeah. centuries. And how much of this is going to be eaten by other creatures and eventually would cycle back yeah. to the atmosphere, all this carbon. So so potentially it might just delay things. Delay it. We are delaying it and so we that, don't know. So that we can all relax and go, well, that's that problem solved. And then... And because of these uh, plankton blooms would actually affect the natural balance and ecosystems of the ocean. Yeah. And taking this out of balance would create uh, dead zones yeah. where the, only bacteria that they compensate will be there with the plankton and just they will suck up all the oxygen. And of course, we've already got problems with the oceans becoming more acidic Com- as, yes, as yes. it is now, right? So this would add an extra an problem extra, to the ocean. An extra layer of complexity. Which... And we have talked that the oceans are actually the blood yes. or could be com- compared to the blood of the planet. Yeah. So we're practically poisoning even worse. Yes. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the next one. Wow. The uh, next one is uh, like sci-fi style stuff. It is a little bit. Because it's space mirrors. And the idea is to either launch one huge, uh, the size of Greenland, <coughs> mirror into orbit. Yeah. Or vast array of trillion more mirrors of smaller size to uh, get this kind of reflection. Same effect as with before. Yeah. Reflect the light, create a cooling effect because of the lack of light. Yeah, less light falling on the planet. Yes. And there's only a couple of problems with that, uh, but they are significant. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> one is the cost. <laughs> and it's estimated it's estimated at the moment that an effective scheme and of course let us say this was a government project, you know it's going to cost five times as much as this. Right? Always, yeah. And the computer systems will never work. Right? Yes. But the estimated cost Because they still use Windows XP. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and nobody wants to use Windows 10, but that's another thing. Yes. <laughs> um, so that would cost, at the moment, the estimate is between $800 billion and and as much as $400 trillion. Now... Even with inflation, that is still a reasonable amount of money, isn't it? 400 
trillion dollars. That's like you certainly wouldn't be, unbelievable. Well, you certainly wouldn't be paying in cash, would you? Well, maybe only you're, you're a drug lord or something. Yeah, but that is that, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes, we may have to get the cartels to fund this. Yeah. Okay. Oh my uh, God, that's just a lot of money. But it's in their interests. If the cartels funded this, they would be able to carry on with their own industry, wouldn't they? So it's in their interests. And, and I suppose, yeah. And the and the other the other problem is, of course, is that we don't have the technology to actually launch. A mirror, certainly not without cracking it. And as we know, that is seven years bad luck in most oh, yeah. cultures. So imagine breaking a mirror the size of Greenland. I mean, that is a lot of bad luck. That's right? like uh, seven million years of bad luck. You just don't want to go like that. there, do you? Yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Better we just let the planet die. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're yeah. doomed. <laughs> We've got the mirror up there, but it's got a huge crack in it. We're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, so uh, let me cover the next one because yes. time is marching on. Uh-huh. And the next one is this uh, brightening up the clouds. And uh, the idea here is um, is that if we spray salt water, which has, of course, got uh, sodium in it, at high pressure into the sky, it will create very small droplets and that would mean there is more surface area for the sun to, to reflect, reflect off off the top of the clouds. So effectively brightening the clouds because there's more reflective surface. Of course. Again, it's a cooling idea, right? It's all about cooling, most of them. It's all about cooling. And I will now leave it to you to tell us what is going to go seriously wrong with that idea. Well, there's a, a problem here that says that uh, to brighten... Uh, can we actually, first of all, brighten enough clouds mm. to create the effect? Yeah. And it would take about a thousand ships. Mm. Whatever these ships well, are. Yeah, maybe wind-powered, operated by remote control, yeah. and equipped with, with maybe yet-to-be-developed sprayer if, systems if, for this kind of uh, application. If you're talking drones, I'm already worried. But Yeah, um, well, the drones would be uh, an idea. It would be nice. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Amazon could come up with something. Yeah. Like that or Deliver some salt, or, uh, or sea salt here, yeah. please. Yeah. Amazon Prime. Yes. There you go. 800 million tons of sea salt to this location. Yes, because we want to cool it down a bit. Yeah. By six o'clock tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so start flying now. So, yes. And uh, the last one. Yeah. Industrial scale carbon dioxide scrubbers. Which is kind of a technology tree. Exactly. This is technology version of a tree. Exactly. Yeah. Which the only thing they have to do is to do exactly that. Is develop one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, re- uh, such as sodium uh, hydroxide, they bind to carbon dioxide and can remove it from the air like a sponge. Yeah. And, and so, sucks, it, sucks it up. And so the kind of thing you can think about in terms of, you know, sci-fi images are, if anybody's ever seen the film Aliens, the second one, uh-huh. they had those gigantic... Uh, atmosphere converters mm-hmm. that were pulling in gases and filtering out all the bad stuff and just uh-huh. and releasing it's, the. It's that kind of. It's scale, exactly right? that. Yeah, it's that kind of scale. There, there are technology versions of photosynthesis trees, really. That kind of thing. And of course, the bad point here is, you would need a lots of those things to be able to actually get the desired effect. Yes. Yes. Which uh, that's why and will cost a lot of money, 
which is why people say that the trees in the end is the better solution than this one. And would you have one on your house roof? This is the question. Uh huh. Because you know, better have uh, some trees in your garden. Uh, Maybe a, a bioengineer tree, a hybrid tree. That I think that's a, a better path than all those. You could actually have a tree that was just a giant leaf. Mm. We do the same job. <laughs> right? Imagine that. Just a giant Yo, leaf, right? A nice shadow in the garden in a summer day. Uh-huh. You can have picnics under it. Yeah. yeah. All that stuff. Uh-huh. Anyway, so we should do our um, book roundup, do you think? Yes. And finally, our book recommendations. Yeah. And uh, Carl, you want to start with the book recommendations? Yes, I will. The first one that we're suggesting you might like to have a look at is called The The Deniers. And this is a book by Lawrence Solomon. He's a Canadian environmentalist. And what he did was he got um, a bunch of um, scientists together to... um, to examine the arguments that they regard as being alarmist to do with uh, global warming. And again, Al Gore comes into this, of course, because he always comes into uh-huh. this. Um, and that effectively, it's all a con, that we're being set up. Uh-huh. Um, we're being set up to... Um, we're being conditioned. We're being socially conditioned to accept these um, concepts. Concepts of global warming. And, and, and that, in fact, yeah. it's not really true. And um, he presents some evidence about that. And the second book we want to rec- uh, uh, to recommend to you yeah. is The Weathermakers, which are just 36 short essays that predict the consequences of global warming. Yeah. And, you know, the book goes and reviews the evidence of historic climate change and attempts to compare it with uh, how we are right now and argues uh, that if the atmospheric carbon dioxide levels continue to increase at the current rate, the resulting temperatures uh, or the resulting uh, thing will be the change that will cause mass species extinction. Yeah, and we talked about that in the last... Yes. This bottleneck, extinction bottleneck. Exactly. Right? And the third last one? one. Yes. The last one. The, the third book is called 10 Technologies to Fix Energy and Climate or 10 Technologies to Save the Planet. Um, this is uh, quite an interesting book, and it's effectively talking about the um, planet hacking stuff yes. we uh, have just gone through. Uh, but this book... Um, received a very positive critical response uh, it's very well written and uh, just uh, talks through the various issues and impacts uh-huh. of global warming okay i think that's enough for today for uh, our trip down the rabbit hole about gaia gaia and don't forget subscribe to the podcast yeah if you can please leave us a review and a rating in uh, on itunes because that always helps we need to know you're out there and we need to know you're out there and we want you to share your comments we do. so tell us what you think right down in the show notes down there you have the comment uh, section give us a rate give us a, a rating give us a, a, a review mm-hmm. on itunes that will help us a lot yeah And if you like the show, 
recommend it to somebody else. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Bye, Carl. Goodbye. See you next week. Yeah. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Dark Mind Radio 2016.